0: Courage. I learned it from my adoptive mom.
1: Hold my hand. You hold my hand.
0: Learn about adopting a teen from foster care at AdoptUSKids.org. You can't imagine the reward. Brought to you by Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council.
1: Today on Watching Your Wealth, what wealthy families can learn from working-class families.
0: This is Watching Your Wealth from the Wall Street Journal. Now, from our studios in New York, here's Veronica Dagger.
1: Veronica Dagger, and you're listening to Watching Your Wealth, where you learn all you need to know about building your wealth and protecting your money. Jonathan Mordock is an NYU professor, economist, and co-author of the book, The Financial Diaries, How American Families Cope in a World of Uncertainty. Welcome, Jonathan. It's great to be here. Great to have you. So uh, it is an uncertain world indeed would love to hear more about what inspired you to write the book.
0: Yeah, we were really interested in trying to understand where American families are today. Right, We started this project in 2010, a few years after the recession. We did most of the work getting to know 235 families across the country um, in 2012 and 2013. And basically, we felt that you know, there's lots and lots of data about the financial lives of American families, but most of it's aggregated at the annual data, or we look at savings rates or debt ratios or statistics like that, but very little that's really about the day-to-day lives of families. And the motivation was just spend time with families and try to understand what they're doing and trying to listen to how they're trying to make sense of the world.
1: Sounds like an interesting project. Now, we know every family is different, and some of the things we're going to be talking about in terms of what uh, wealthy families can learn, you know, they're generalizations. So every situation is different, and we don't want to paint a broad brush of everyone, but we do want to give folks a few takeaways. So first, one lesson you said that the wealthy might learn from folks who aren't as affluent is how not to overspend when income spikes. Tell us about that.
0: So one of the most striking things about spending time with the families was seeing income spikes. And it could be around tax time, or it could just be that you know monthly paychecks go up and down. So a lot of people don't appreciate the instability that, you know, working families are facing. And so one of the tricky parts is what to do when you've got that bonus or you've got that. Uh, tax refund. How do you um, maintain some um, discipline when you've got all that money? Because you know there's going to be times when you're going to need it down the road. And so when we met the families, they were doing a lot um, to really focus on liquidity and managing these spikes. Um, what were one some of the big, th- yeah? <laughs> so of the one of the big things they were doing um, was clearly disciplining. Um, themselves, but focusing on short-term saving. that's right? so when we think about saving, right, we usually think about saving for big, long-term
1: yeah.
0: you retirement. Know,
1: needs.
0: But you know, the families, a lot of them were having to save for things coming up in three months, six months from now. So you get your you know tax refund in March, say, but you got to worry about you know, what's going to happen around Christmas or what's going to happen you know later in the year. And so we saw lots and lots of really innovative uh approaches to dealing with that. Um Can you so give one a, example.
1: Yeah, some examples. That'd be great. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um so one example was um a woman we got to know in Mississippi, she worked at a casino. And it turns out when you work in a casino, summer is really a a great time. Hmm. Um everyone's out, they're gambling, um kids are out of school, kind everyone's just um out you know, just taking advantage of warm weather. But the fall comes along, winter comes along, folks are at home, they're watching football, they're not out of, out of the casinos. And so this woman we got to know, Janice, she really had to think hard because her paychecks were going up and down with the business at the casino. And a lot of that's because like a lot of American workers, she's working for tips. Yep. And so what she did was she opened a bank account at a credit union about an hour south of her. And it had a really lousy ATM network and really lousy hours. And she said, that's fine with me. In fact, she went a step further and she cut up her ATM card. Hmm. And she said, Janice, you know, what are you doing? And she's like, I got to do this because I got to know that the money is going to be safe there. But if I need it, I will drive that, you know, that hour. And she, she described it as these really, really needs. Mm. So when her grandson needed clothes for back, going back to school, she drove that hour, but most of the time she didn't. Um, and so, it was it was an example of a tension that we saw a lot, which is, folks want structure. You need structure in your financial life, but you also need flexibility, because you know life's going up and down. There are a lot of emergencies and things coming up you didn't expect. And so, in lots of ways, people were finding that you know traditional financial products weren't really working for them. weren't giving them the right balance between that discipline and the flexibility. So the bank of far away that Janice was using, that idea was one, you know, other folks, um, a guy in New York in Brooklyn, Robert, he gave his money to his mother to hold.
1: Really? He
0: was saving up for a bank deposit. And he was an adult doing this. He was 52 years old. Really? Yeah, 52 years old. He had a bank account. Okay. But again, it's like he said his mother was like Fort Knox. She (laughs) wouldn't give him the money. But he knew at the same time that if he really needed the money, she would give it to him.
1: Interesting. So it seems like they're coming up with strategies on how to keep money off limits until you absolutely need it.
0: Yeah, exactly. And that's a really tough balance to get right.
1: I would imagine it is, especially, you know, some people who are more affluent would be like, yeah, that's great in theory, but I want to live my life. I want to enjoy my life. So. Where do you strike that balance? How do you find a happy medium there?
0: Yeah, so it's it's really like you were saying, everyone's going to have their own balance that they're going to look for. Um, but we're finding, you know, even at more affluent families still have some version of this because it's really about, you know, balancing liquidity versus long term investments. It makes a
1: lot of sense. And
0: everyone's looking for some way to you know, to find that.
1: Right. And, you know, in today's world, you never know what's going to happen to your primary source of income. You hope you're going to have the job, but you have to be planning for that time when maybe you don't. And so living below your means, tricking yourself into having, you know, sort of convincing yourself you have less money than you actually do could be a beneficial strategy long run. Wondering what we can learn about giving and philanthropy from poor
0: family. This was one of the most So interesting findings is just how generous people are, especially people don't have a lot of money. And so Janice, the casino worker I was just describing, she's above the poverty line, but not way above it. And yet she's giving a lot to her church. She's giving a lot to her friends, her community. It's just baked into her life. And one of the things that we saw was that that kind of generosity and philanthropy really became a big motivator for Janice and for others, to keep an eye on their money. So we often think of philanthropy as like you know something we do at the end of the year That's when right. we're thinking about taxes, or you know just something that we sort of wall off. But for a lot of f- folks, being generous and the capacity to be generous was actually a compliment that sort of helped them focus on their money, focus on working hard, um, you know, doing all the things which are hard to do it makes it easier to do it knowing that part of the outcome is going to be to help other people in need. That was really inspiring and powerful.
1: That is powerful. Jonathan, we need to take a quick break, but when we come back, we'd like to hear more of the lessons wealthy families may learn from families of lesser means.
0: Courage. I learned it from my adoptive mom.
1: Hold my hand. You hold my hand.
0: Learn about adopting a team from foster care at adoptuskids.org. You can't imagine the reward. Brought to you by Adopt US Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. Make sure to check out the Future of Everything podcasts because the future is closer than you think. All new episodes each Friday in June. The Wall Street Journal. Listen ambitiously. This is Watching Your Wealth from the Wall Street Journal. Now from our studios in New York. Here's Veronica Dagger.
1: And we're back with Jonathan Mordock, who's an NYU professor and co-author of The Financial Diaries, How American Families Cope in a World of Uncertainty. Jonathan, we're talking about what wealthy families can learn uh, from families of lesser means and You, in the book, talk a bit about the changing world of work. So tell us about that and what wealthy families might learn about that.
0: Really, the backdrop for what we're seeing today is something that's been in motion really since the 80s, and that is the workplace has changed radically, and we all know it. um, But what the diaries allowed us to do and spending time with the families allowed us to do is to see how the changes in the workplace are affecting families. The big story is automation. The big story is the decline in manufacturing and um, and jobs that used to be solid middle-class jobs. And as those jobs have given way, we're seeing increases in retail jobs and service jobs. And we know that those jobs pay less. But the thing that we saw really clearly is that they're also less stable, they're less secure. And what we're starting to see is that that shift, which has really affected Lower income households is starting to move up the ladder. It's also starting to affect middle class and uh, more wealthy households as jobs, say, in legal services and other professions start to get automated um, and start to disappear. And so, you know, the big story that we are starting to see is that increasingly people are moving into positions where. You know, you just can't count on that steady paycheck where you're going to have to be more entrepreneurial, where you're going to have to navigate um, to make sure that you earn the income you need. And with that is a new set of financial um, challenges.
1: Yeah, you're going to have to manage your money yourself. You're going to have to manage your cash flow better. You're going to have to plan for retirement uh, sooner and take a closer eye on that. It sounds scary, but in a way... Uh, And maybe in a way it is, but it also perhaps could have the good effect of making people more financially savvy, more aware of where they're spending their money and maybe thinking twice before they spend and because they're factoring and thinking about the future. So a lot of interesting stuff here, Jonathan. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. And this has been Watching Your Wealth, a production of The Wall Street Journal. I'm Veronica Dagger. For more information, check us out at wsj.com podcasts. Thanks for listening.
0: Follow the Wall Street Journal on your favorite podcast app. Search WSJ on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Play Music, Stitcher, and any Amazon Alexa device. The Wall Street Journal. Listen ambitiously.